Welcome to the Focus and Chill podcast, where we discuss sustainable productivity and habit formation while avoiding the allure of hustle culture. Every episode, we interview guests who have got a solid habit and productivity game. We're your hosts, Joey. Hi. And Jeremy. He's Jeremy. Joey's a published author. I'm self-published, though. Has a background in psychology. Not registered, though. Has a deep interest in humans. Only some of humans. And a strong interest in habits and connections specifically. Mm, that's true. And Jeremy is a software developer with ADHD. And when he's not trying to come up with ways to stop himself burning rice, he enjoys doing a three-hour morning routine and surprising colleagues by doing sets of push-ups during meetings to keep the energy high. The Focus and Chill podcast is brought to you by Focus Bear, a habit and productivity app that makes healthy habits and deep work the path of least resistance. If you have a tendency to check emails or scroll through Instagram first thing in the morning, but long to develop a meditation and exercise habit first thing, Focus Bear can help you. The app blocks distractions on all your devices and guides you through your habits one at a time. Throughout the day, Focus Bear assists you to stay in deep work by blocking websites and apps that are unrelated to your chosen focus mode. Life's not all about work though. You'll be prompted to take regular breaks to rest your eyes and stretch your muscles. At the end of the day, Focus Bear helps you switch off. Work-related apps get hidden so you can unwind and sleep well. Check out the app by going to focusbear.io. Welcome to episode number eight of the Focus and Chill podcast. With us today, we have Ricky Fukuzawa, who is someone who works with high achievers who want to maximize their brain and body's functionality to excel in their career and life. With her background in health education, the fitness industry, and recent experience working in an effective altruism organization, she's merging her skills and knowledge to support the health of the effective altruism community and high-impact individuals as a force multiplier. Welcome, Ricky. Thank you. Hello, Ricky. Hello. So, Ricky, what projects are you concentrating on during your focused hours? Yes. So, as Jeremy has kindly introduced me, I'm currently working on my new online health coaching business called The Health Optimizer. It's a deep dive into eat, move, and sleep habits. And currently, my working hours are based on client resources, session preparation, accountability correspondence, um, yeah, and developing coaching material as well as website content. I was wondering, to, for people who aren't familiar with effective altruism that, that was included in your bio, could you talk about what that means and potentially your work at Charity Entrepreneurship before you moved into this role? Yes. So effective altruism is a movement and a community based around the idea of how like, we can do the most good using the resources we have. So that's time, skills, and money we have. How can we make the, belt, the world a better place? And there's various cause areas that people work on. Um, and the organization EA Aligned, so Effective Altruism Aligned organization I was working at, um, Charity Entrepreneurship, was helping to incubate new charities. So working on existing problems in the world, like, I think it was like more like global health issues, animal welfare, and seeing the existing charities around the world and trying to establish more effective charities, looking at the things that are working and not working and trying to incubate new charities by also creating an incubator program so they'd get potential founders that could start up a charity and, um, yeah, work from there to, yeah, 
for them to develop effective charity, basically. And I was there as executive assistant, kind of seeing how nonprofit organizations working in the community um, would operate and try to support in the operations, I guess. So that's mm-hmm. where the force multiplying kind of role started to play out and seeing what's working in the organization, how can I support them? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Would you say that is there a problem in organizations like charity entrepreneurship and other high-impact charities where because the the cause is so impactful and people are highly motivated, is there a risk of them burning themselves out? Yeah, you read my mind, Jeremy. Um, I think there is a lot of pressure in that field, especially like just mentally as well, like they would use that focus time as much as possible. And I'm, I'm guilty of it too, right? To serve other people and the, yeah, they have a lot of motivation to be high impact. So they might be neglecting their own health, um, until the point of maybe burnout or it may just be, you know, just health concerns that pop up. They're still like, because the concept of burnout is like that they're not achieving the expectations in the workplace it might be a level of burnout and then, you know, but it's just like that matching energy is not working sometimes. But I think it d- isn't necessarily a complete burnout. It might just be the fact that they get sick more often, which was something that was an issue, um, or that they're not sleeping as well. Um, and they know that by improving that area, they could be more productive. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that if they can be, say, 10% more productive, then that could lead to a very large impact in the broader world. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think also, if I may add, there's a part that you can add like some tools, whether it's online or physical tools such as, you know, SAD light that emits light that keeps you alert. Um, there could be other things that you put fruit in the office, but there's only so much you can do before, you know, the research around it is helpful as well so you know what's you know the most cost effective thing to implement and intervene but ultimately i think it came to understanding the individual person and their needs and their habits are a lot more you know long-term impactful um because i feel like there's always only a certain amount of external things you can do before you do have to have a conversation with yourself and have a self-knowledge to see where you can improve yourself like how you can develop habits that work to you Hmm. is there an example of that that you can talk about where maybe one of your clients has had a bit of an epiphany or even you yourself i might share i think that that might pop up um along the conversation Hmm. cool maybe in the follow-up when we talk about techniques yes (laughs) yes i don't want to go on a huge round (laughs) all right well how about we talk about speaking of avoiding burnout How about when you're not working, what do you do Hmm. in your off time? So this is another, like, I guess when I get asked this question, I wonder, it's like there's the intermittent breaks I take in terms of, like, the focus mode and chill mode I use the guys presented as. So, like, you might know the Pomodoro method where you focus for 25 minutes and then have a five-minute break, So, which is, like, the diffuse mode where you kind of contextualize and kind of establish what you've learned and you might get more creative there, right? Um, during that diffuse mode, so that's usually like five to ten minutes. I like to like move my body uh, as, a, as a eat, move and sleep um, pro- promoter. Often I do try to move my body five minutes in between those 25 minute focus times. Um, ideally, that might be just like 
putting on music to dance, shake it off, um, might be yoga or stretching or cleaning the house. And lately I've actually been focusing on ESR techniques, which is like emotional self-regulation. So I try to do at least one of these or at least three of these a day. One being breath work. So like I particularly like the four, seven, eight breathing, um, stretching. I might do a body scan. So like meditation, focusing on different parts of the body, uh, motion check-in. So just checking in with how I'm feeling and five senses, which is like, what do I eat? Uh, <laughs> I do it when I'm eating often. Uh, what do I smell? What do I taste? What do I hear? What do I see? What do I feel? Be touched. Yeah. So all those five senses, and it kind of is helps me with emotional self-regulation. And sometimes I might get carried away during work and such, and um, yeah, that focus mode can be really tiring. So that's my intermittent breaks during work hours. Um, but if you mean off time completely, like I go for a run, workout, I like to read, often like dystopian types of books, uh, sometimes some cheesy YA books, uh, watercolor painting, I do that, and journal. I love journaling all the time. Um, but that's kind of like self-development sometimes, um, just, yeah, exploring the mind is interesting for me. So, um, and calling friends, voice messaging. Friends is something I also do during the time. Yeah, nice. I missed what type of books you were reading. Did you say YA books? Yeah, sometimes YA. The, the recent one I read was called Loveless, about um, an asexual character. Um, but right now, I do both fiction and non-fiction. Right now, I'm reading the book called Actual, The Act of Living. The dystopian book I recently read was Clara and the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguro. He's also the author of Never Let Me Go. Um, yeah, interesting dystopian books. Uh, what else am I currently reading? There's so many things I read, like heaps. <laughs> nice. And just for the non-hipsters like me, I had to think for a while, is YA young adult? Young adult. Sorry, yes. Yes. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that before. Is the definition for that, is that like 16-year-old plus? Yeah, it's just like cheesy romance stuff really usually. I'm less into it. I'm like on all other steps. I'm less into it, but it still is nice to read some cheesy romance. (laughs) Nice. Well, I, I still enjoy Harry Potter and fantasy books like that. Yes. It's just like they're taking it out of like, out of your world into someone else's world. And, yeah, that's why dystopian is interesting as well. Mm. And maybe not too far away from reality right now with the doomsday clock. Oh, Far in the Sun. Yes, it's about um, having an artificial intelligence best friend or something, like a friend, mm. intelligent friend, I think. I'll have to read it. Yeah. And do you by any chance read during your morning routine? Because I think Joey has a, a question about that. Yes. I was quite curious about, so it talks about your wind down routine, Ricky. So uh, in terms of how you start the day, could you tell us a bit more about that? I'm more lenient on this now. I'm like iterating a bit and just as a pretext, I think it's, I've noticed how periodically changing is actually good, whether the environment changes or not. 
But this is like mainly what I've been doing. Um, just reflecting on it now. But okay. So usually I rise around seven, so plus or minus thirty minutes. Curtains, window, make bed. So like I open up the curtains, open the window, fresh air, and then make the bed. I get changed, so I always wear active wear, so active wear is ready by the bedside. It's the most convenient. Like I can move wherever I'm ready to run, whenever I'm ready to do a workout, whatever. And then I wash my face, so that's just wash my face with water, sunscreen, moisturizer. And I go outside, skip, like skipping where it skip, whilst I'm looking at the sunlight. <laughs> so, um, so get my heart rate up and expose myself to sunlight. So it kind of sets up my skating rhythm to align with the sun. And then I meditate. And then I do coffee and journaling. So with my coffee, anchoring habit there. Um, a journal. So I write my gratitude journal that I'm And yeah, that pretty much stuff on it. Yeah, that's a pretty robust routine. Uh, how much? How much of your um, routine would you say is is inspired by Andrew Huberman? Ninety five percent or ninety nine percent? Okay, the skip and sunlight part was it. <laughs> that's a very Andrew Huberman. That's the, that's the new one I added. That is the only one I added. I swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just teasing. I, I know you've um had, we've had chats before about your routine, and uh yeah, it's uh pretty solid. Uh, I'm I'm quite envious of it. I think there's a level of self compassion and self discipline I'm starting to understand. I mean, yeah, like I'm not going to present myself as a lot of people who are influencers out there that have these routines, but I'm more I'm more promoting like nuance these days. It's it, it ain't always like this. It's like there's got to be some leeway. There's going to be some things you skip um, sometimes. And it's this balance of self-discipline and self-compassion, I think. Yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a really good frame to have. And I'm also thinking about having a frame as sometimes the best habit is coming back to habits. So, for example, if you give yourself a day off, or if you if you basically say you know what I'm not a machine I'm not going to like I can take a day off. Sometimes the best habit is actually coming back to the habit, like just saying okay I've I've taken a day off. I'm not going to miss two days in a row or three days in a row or what some like predetermined number of days. I think that's a pretty good habit as well. Oh, that's tested me. <laughs> meditation is hard. I uh, that's one of those. Can you tell us more I about the meditation? How long and what and style of meditation? more you would say consistency over intensity <laughs> um so usually it's minimum five minutes recently i've been shifting towards doing loving kindness meditation so meta um i find it the most cheesiest and difficult but uh, i think yeah that's why i'm challenging myself to do it uh, where you just um send love and kindness to everyone to someone you know, someone you don't know, and to yourself. Uh, yeah, I, I get that guided kind of meditation. Mm. Surely laughter meditation is the most cheesy. Laughter? <laughs> yeah, I haven't thought of that one. Uh, I, I did it once for half an hour straight at a workshop, and it felt very forced by the oh, end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. But initially it must have been, like, actually funny watching other people laugh as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. At some point, you're like, this ain't working. <laughs> yeah. Now my, I'm going to stop. My cheek muscles are getting sore. Uh, yeah. 
30 minutes is long. And also just to, just uh, in case anyone isn't uh, familiar with the, with the practice, it's um, meta M E double T A, I believe, uh, not to be confused with Mark Zuckerberg's <laughs> company, uh, but I guess pretty soon, pretty soon he might own meditation as well. Right. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and so I, I quite enjoyed that practice as well, especially, especially like, I think it's really good for releasing anger as well, because I think there might be different variations of it. The one I'm familiar with is the one where you basically try to, um, yeah, you, you think about yourself and you repeat mm-hmm. the, um, may you be happy, may you be healthy, yeah. may you be free from harm, may you live with ease. And then, and you start broadening that out to, people that you really love to people that are acquaintances to people that you feel neutral about. So maybe just someone that you sat next to on the bus or someone. And then um, you start thinking about people that you don't like or that annoy you and people that you might feel anger towards. And yeah, I I feel like it's a really good, I feel like it's a really good way of releasing anger because it's a very slow ramp to wishing people that that anger you wishing that they live with ease. And I think it's a really nice way to, to go about the world. But um, yeah, I'm not very disciplined with the practice. I, I probably should be more. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. I was going to flip that on you and um, ask how, how it is for you. Like I've only started using that again, um, doing meta again. So it seems funny, but I want to con- like persist with it a bit. Yeah. I had been doing it for a little while during my morning meditation, it's an open eye meditation. So I'd been doing it a little, uh, for a little while, but then, um, yeah, I recently flipped to trying to do more for, uh, focused meditation. So still open eye, but just, uh, visually fixating on an object. And so, for example, like a, a, a tree that's across the road from me, I, um, yeah, try fixating on that. So, uh, and I, I neither wish it, uh, ease nor love so maybe i should maybe i can maybe i can do meta on the tree or something oh joey that's that's huberman that's huberman, that's huberman isn't it that's that's peak huberman oh <laughs> uh, do we yeah, yeah. Jer- jeremy do you think we have to pay royalties every time we mention andrew huberman on this podcast you have to drop down and do 10 push-ups oh oh okay yeah. oh can, <laughs> does that mean i have to do like 30 because i mentioned it three times or like can, can i is it just starting from now this is your warning <laughs> okay well, I guess um, I'll do 15. And while I'm doing 15, um, Jez, I think you got a question about optimizing productivity. Yeah. So, Ricky, you talked about how you take the intermittent breaks and that helps your diffuse mode network. What are your other techniques mm-hmm. for optimizing productivity? Yeah. So um, we mentioned the Pomodoro method. So I use that. I have a, actually have a physical Pomodoro, as in like it's a kitchen timer, but instead of a tomato i don't know why but it's a pig it's a pink pig that i can twist it sounds very (laughs) non-vegan but i can twist um (laughs) and it'll take um till for like the 25 minutes and so having that physical thing in my like in my visual does differentiates from say like switching between tabs on my laptop also a few things on my phone so i like when i'm on my phone it's all for like um, relaxing and trying not to work on the phone as well. So, yeah, I use Firefox Focus on that. So I can only open one tab on my phone. And my homepage is basically all 
the things I need for like ESR, so the ones that I was like uh, was explaining before. So like noticing my emotions, I use an app for that. And for the four seven eight breathing, I use a great app for that as well. It has a visual, um, and I can tell you those later. But yeah, so those are like the visual cues as well, right? So the environment of like my online screen. But I also like change context in my physical environment. So like if I have been relatively unproductive or had a frustrating period in front of my desk for a while, I like to switch it up and maybe go to a cafe, maybe go to the library to um, kind of disassociate that environment as somewhere there was like, ah, I didn't get far or I was like frustrated for something. I usually move out of that space and try to change context. Um, and a big one, and this, <laughs> this is not Huberlin, but I do intermittent fasting. So I eat, um, my first meal of the day is 12 and then I stop at eight. And I think it's not, for me, it's not really a, a weight loss thing. I mean, there are that benefit, but it's mainly you get up in the morning, have a coffee and I just don't have to think about food. Right. Um, yeah. And I can use that prime time the energy i have in the morning to focus fully on my work and then after 12 where generally people get a bit of like a slump lower energy especially after lunch i can do more of like relaxed um not too time pressing or intense tasks that day so yeah intermittent fasting Mm. do you make it a vegan bulletproof coffee <laughs> it's just a um it's just a black coffee black coffee um sometimes it's pour over sometimes it's french press yeah and also ricky we mentioned veganism and if i remember correctly was it uh 10 years uh your 10 year anniversary as a vegan is uh, that... i accidentally slipped it in there didn't i um, <laughs> <laughs> um, how long was it sorry? Um, it is 10 years i think since 2000 well, for 2013. Ah, uh, nine so years. Nine years. Not nine, quite there yet, oh, but nine, still. Not quite there, right? Is it? Yeah, yeah, nine well, years. But still yeah, every every cell in your body is vegan now. They turn over after seven years. Oh, yeah, fully, fully. <laughs> yeah. uh, the reason I bring it up, Ricky, is because I guess I'm vegan as well. I'm not as strict as, as you are, but uh, I, I'm getting there. But uh, I, how do you know how one of the I things that... <laughs> oh, that's a good point <laughs> I, I don't i don't keep tabs on you all the time i guess but um yeah mm-hmm. I, I guess a, a common conversation that i have with people when i tell them that i'm vegan or plant-based or whatever label i want to give myself is that oh i could never do that because i like cheese too much mm-hmm. or i like meat too much or i like uh insert favorite food group too much in there and i guess i'm wondering if if you don't mind sharing, like, could you talk a bit more about when you transitioned from from whatever diet uh, whatever diet you were on before you were, um, went vegan? Was there anything in particular that was that you found challenging, and did you use any particular habits or techniques to to ease any friction? No, yeah, no, no. Um, but I mean, yeah. I get really like excited because it, it's just one of the best things I did. I like, I literally <laughs> lighten up when I talk about this, but, um, but initially, um, I did it totally out of self interest. Um, and I did it very all wrong. <laughs> so, um, started off, um, 
yeah, not very, uh, yeah, I didn't do it the best way possible. So maybe I can share my learnings with the people I work with currently. So yeah, I think it was just like an overnight thing and I was an all or nothing approach, which um, led me to, yeah, be ironically very unhealthy. So at the time I did it for sports performance more than anything. Um, so yeah, it was like, it, it could have been any diet really. Like, but my, I was inspired my, by my brothers who are also runners. And as the youngest sister, I was copied what my brothers did. So I was like, yes, I got to be like them. And, um, yeah, went fully plant based overnight and stressed about it. Um, and that's my learning curve as well about like how to implement dietary change. Um, you can only so much willpower your way through before you have to, you know, what really eventually stuck is like learning about my other values that align with the eating habit. So I think one of the challenging things about changing like eating behaviors with work I do with clients as well is that there are value conflicts. So um, social elements of um, food is really important. So with their friends, it might be, or the colleagues to kind of have a friendly environment. It's such a powerful part of them. If there's social connection is really valuable for them, then that's going to be a value that needs to be considered in the full picture of a dietary change. And it's just, you know, you can only willpower your way through like a nine week of changing diet and you just have to tell your friends I'm on a diet, <laughs> which, um, yeah, which is not long-term sustainable. And there's other value conflicts, right, in terms of I realized that for me it wasn't just like sports performance, but I realized the other benefits to it that align with me about like um, animal welfare as well as the environmental impact. And I was like, wow, like just the way I eat can do so much more. So I, I think it was, it developed a better relationship with food. And I think that's really valuable to have for ongoing eating habits. Yeah. I think you were touching on it, which is the idea of having to change your identity almost in a sense to be like um to to be able to tell your friends no i'm I'm not the kind of person that well i'm not going to eat animal products at the moment and it's 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 basically a rule it's not like something that you're going like that's conditional upon certain things that you need to keep in your memory it's just basically no i'm not doing it anymore and i think that i think that's that's something to be said about going cold turkey overnight uh yeah it's that's um, I think it sends a pretty powerful and um, easy to digest, I think, uh, pun, pun the pun, but uh, easy to digest. Uh, Double pun. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought, but it was, it was uh, I think, something along the lines of, um, yeah, I think when you, when it's all or nothing, it can be easier for people to accept rather than digest. Uh, um, uh because it, they have to think less about it. But on the other hand, it can be challenging as well because oh, yeah. it's just like, oh, Ricky used to come with us to like a steakhouse mm -hmm. and now she won't have anything of that because the steakhouse might just have like chips, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I, I definitely hear you with that challenge. And uh, I, I guess I'm curious just before um, we go into the, the next question, like, like um, do you have any... Do you, do you have any tips for people that are making any type of uh, dietary change? I know it's a big, I know it's a big um, topic, but is there like a, like a, 
old 80-20 type tip that Ooh. they can get them 20% of the effort, 80, um, 80% there. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Exactly. Um, yeah, the cold turkey thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's something that you, you know, you've got to be mindful. Of. And the reality is it's a lot less, less sexier if you want it for a long term change. It's a lot less sexier. It's not going to be nine weeks. <laughs> yeah. But if there's anything with, um, like eating habitual, like eating behavior change, one of the most powerful, I think, is just firstly, like noticing what you eat. So, you know, there's like for like, some would say, you know, it's like not calorie counting or anything, not like writing down exactly what you eat. But I think one of the most um, effective is actually taking a photo of what you ate. Like you do not have to change anything. Do not. The intention is not to change anything you eat. Just take a photo of it. And of course, um, just by the act of saying, I'm just going to take photos of what I eat, generally people's are mindful of what they eat anyway. <laughs> no matter how much you tell them, don't need to change what you're eating, just take the photos of what you're eating, right? And that's all it takes. But usually people start to modify um, just because they're a bit conscious, especially if you start to share it to your health coach. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just starting with noticing what you're eating and then from there you slowly go into, okay, understanding um, how full do you feel, how hungry are you, are you the difference between hunger and craving and then listening to that body of what what works for you and then yeah that's where it builds up into more of like a realistic kind of dietary change for them first noticing what they're eating just by taking a photo of each meal <laughs> yeah that i think that intentionality is so powerful i think a lot of people for a lot of people eating is not a very mindful activity it's just something that happens at a certain time every day and you just um, put calories into your mouth and sometimes calories you don't even need right like it, i think it's sometimes people just eat because they're bored or because they're trying to avoid some difficult emotion or because they're hungry like i'm not ruling that out but it's uh i think <laughs> i think that idea of just putting a little bit of a a little bit of friction in between the plate and the mouth i think is yeah it's, it seems to be I think that's a really good choice for the 80-20 because, like, it's very fairly low effort and I think it um, – well. Yeah. It's just the accessibility of that first step, right, um, as opposed to, like, a, a huge, like, here's a diet plan that is tailored to you, of course. It's great. It's ideal. It meets your – like, if you want to be in a calorie deficit, it's in a calorie deficit, things that you, you know – allergic to sure um and we can avoid that you know it, it can be it can be fitting of course but that's still for someone who hasn't been had that change is quite drastic right so when you're just saying you don't have to change anything you just have to take photos it's a lot more like accessible and as you know that's where habits really start so small steps yeah indeed small steps all the way so i was also wondering in terms of in terms of how you wind down after a, a, a tough day of coaching clients about what they what they're allowed to put uh, into their mouths, uh, how do you like to <laughs> switch off at night? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I do a bit of like so I do do sleep as well. So eat, move, and sleep. Um, so yeah, I think sleep is a big one for clients as well. So it's it's an interesting how much like that is at the base of things Like they'd come to me approaching with like, Oh, I want to work on like eating and moving. And then they 
we deduce it down to actually I think sleep is going to come first because it affects every, everything, right? Like your decision-making process, um, your hunger levels, um, your your mental state as well as how physically recovered you are. So, yeah, sleep is super valuable and definitely not easy. It's a, it's a work in progress always for me as well. But I think in terms of routine, I think it's interesting having – I've noticed that having too much of a structure as well is almost um, – Supposedly stressful. <laughs> so what I usually do is like give myself plenty of time to unwind and not be too rigid about when and how many minutes I take to do what. Although, it, as you can tell, I'm an all or nothing type of person. So I try to be mindful about that. Say, so, um, yeah, but I have several options and I just, the only time when it is when I get into bed um, and start reading. So what I might be doing between the time of after I've had my last meal. So um, definitely from eight, I'd be, you know, I might do some journaling um, and having conversations with my friends. Like at that point, I'd probably be leaving voice messages as opposed to texting too much because that's kind of yeah, stimulating and screen time. I'm trying to reduce that by that time, right? So, and then journaling is like paper and pen by that time, so. One thing I realize I do do kind of is to set the scene. So again, that actually goes back to um, creating an environment that's like simulates five, my five senses to uh, evening mood. So that will be dimming the light. So I see less and candle. So that'll be my smell. So, and then paper and pen and the feeling of pajamas against my skin. So those are the touch and yeah. And the music I hear will probably be either no music, so the, you know, the quiet evening, or it could be just like no lyric music. And then I think I just tidy up my desk always and have my next day clothes ready. And I read in bed, read in bed till like 10 to 30. And then yeah, put my sleep tracker on and fall asleep. Hopefully most of the time do. In terms of, you, you were talking about setting the scene. Do you have an element of thinking about the day ahead or planning for what tomorrow is going to be like? Like, do I have something like that? Yeah. So I think often the journaling, like I don't make it a must, but often the journaling includes writing down what I want to do the next day. Even if I have a calendar schedule, I actually write it down as well. It's like, it's almost like a, get it out of my head onto paper, feel good that I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. But also like there's, there's this um, balance, right? You don't want to overthink or ruminate what you've done that day. And you don't also don't want to get into that anxiousness of tomorrow. So like I keep it quite light as much as possible and kind of keep it on a note of simplifying it, um, reflecting briefly, simplifying what I'm going to do tomorrow. And that right down in my pen and paper. Sounds great. Then question about in terms of resources, you, it sounds like you, you've adopted quite a few different techniques. Are there any books or philosophies? You mentioned a few apps as well that you'd recommend for our audience in order to promote productivity and habit formation. Yeah. Um, so one of like, I think one of the first books that got me into nonfiction was The Power of Habit or Charles Dye. So um, always be my favorite. <laughs> And ever since I've been really interested in behavior science. So that's been a little side hobby of mine. And I saw how powerful it was. 
Um, and James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits. Um, actually, when I say James Clear, it's because more than his book, I prefer his blog posts and his email newsletter has been great. And that's, yeah, so those have been fantastic. Um, in terms of, so those are books. In terms of, yeah, I've, I've like there's many other habit books that I've read, but those would be like kind of like the top two, I would say. There's so many out there now, but I usually listen to them as a podcast as well. So with interviewing people who have written these books, I think that gives a lot of insight as well. In terms of podcasts, we've mentioned Huberman Lab, but yeah, he talks about habits as well and different. Also, yeah, I particularly like it because it's aligned with a lot of the health subjects I do cover. Um, but I also am currently listening to, just got into it, called The Growth Equation, who's also uh, like executive coach who is driven towards habit change as well. So that's really interesting. Also, I'm a big fan of the Clearer Thinking website tools. They've, um, they have great, um, online tools that will work through like, um, behavior change there, goal setting, et cetera. It's just going through. I mean, if, if clients come to me and they need habit change, I'd first direct them to there. And like, if they, they're not doing it, then like, you know, or they're finding a struggle, then, you know, but there's always that, there's so many options already out there, I think, but the element of accountability and, Specifying it to the health needs is supportive, but always I do recommend clearer thinking habit tools. If you sit down and actually take the time to do it, that's a huge step forward, I think. And also the apps. That's right. The apps I have. Um, yeah. Habit tracking apps are a tricky one, I think. Um, I ask every uh, other people, but as well, but you end up for me, I ended up creating my own spreadsheet. So my own spreadsheet about habit tracking is the most satisfying for me because of the interface differences, right? So I keep a spreadsheet. But in terms of tracking up specific aspects of my life, so it might be the emotional regulation, so the emotion noticing, I like how we feel. So, yeah, um, the How We Feel app is describes, um, offers you to track emotions based on energy so or high level energy descriptive words of your emotions and then low energy emotions as opposed to saying this emotion is bad or this emotion is good in terms of like and they offer various options of describing your emotion as opposed to yeah something like happy sad or angry right so yeah they they describe words um as being more granular with how you are feeling so that's for emotional tracking, emotion tracking. And then I use a app called Foundations for my 478 breathing, which is a visual of breathing in for four, holding the breath for seven, and then exhaling it for eight. So these tools kind of remind me of the habits to do about taking self-care in between my um, focus modes to use them during my diffuse mode. And I love your technique of having them on your home screen rather than yeah. having like TikTok or something. That's the most visible thing. All, yeah, they're all gone. Instagram, YouTube, all gone off my phone. Um, they're too tempting, right? So the first, the first, there's like those apps there. So the foundation app, the how we feel app, my spreadsheet to track other things, like just my morning routine, my um, 
medication supplements um, and evening routine, how I feel in terms of like, yeah, some habits that I did do or some pain I felt, whatever it is, I track that. And then I have, what's it called? Um, sleep score. I use sleep score for sleeping. So those four, I think. And then Spotify. Nice. Yeah, I think that's it. Cool. We'll get links for them and include them in the show notes. Well, Ricky, it's been a pleasure having you on. So do you have any final words for our audience? Yes. So I know this podcast is based around like a lot of like habits and you know, focus and chill and those are, um, I find it's valuable as well as for my work as well that I do. I'm working on habits with my clients, but the reality is it's a lot less sexy and I think in, embedded with habit change is this, there's only so much you can do with um, external factors we can modify in terms of the environment. And I touched on this at the beginning. There's only so many tools we can put in place, whether that's um, even setting up a schedule or having a nutrition plan or changing the contents of a fridge or having active wear ready, if that's for health habits, right? Before it's quite paramount for lasting change to also do internal work because there's like what we might be working on is like unconscious self-limiting beliefs that are just less and tangible as opposed to like oh i've eaten this today right there's like these habits are something that's like a constructs in your head that have developed over time and they might be early maladaptive thoughts or behaviors um that have maybe been a survival instinct for you that are just a mismatch to our um your contemporary like current life right and breaking through biases that you might be going through um seamlessly like post-rationalizing some unhelpful behaviors. So these are a little bit more complex um, because they relate to identity as well. But I believe in terms of lasting change, it does have to work hand in hand with external environmental change and habit change that we can implement. It's also working with your internal work, really. Thanks, Ricky. It's been wonderful having you on. Do you have any asks for our audience? Yes. So if any of today's conversation has sparked some insight or you're interested in getting some helpful habitual change, whether it's external or internal work, um, I'm offering health coaching services and I'd be happy to hear from you um, so we can co-create helpful habits that work to your work and life. So for um, reaching out to me, please just, I think Joey and Jeremy will share my website as well as you can just contact me on my email. It's ricky.healthoptimizer at gmail.com. Wonderful. And we'll wrap the show with that. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Focus and Chill podcast. To listen to other episodes, jump onto podcast.focusbear.io. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a good fit, email us at team at focusbear.io. Otherwise, stay focused, stay chilled, and peace out.